Um, but that's, yeah, so that's, that's a little bit about me. And I also work at Starbucks. And I go to the college, and I'm in business. I'm in going into second year. I have a wonderful girlfriend of two and a half years. My mom thinks that's cute that I remember that's two and a half years. It's not three or anything. But, yeah, so that's a little bit about me. And I'm really excited to preach this morning um, to you that actually came. So you're going to get the best morning of your lives. Um, I invite you guys to open up your Bible to John 6, 1 to 15. That's where we'll be going today. And try not to look at my iPad stand. It's covered, <laughs> it's covered in duct tape. It's my brother's, and I don't have one, so it's going to have to do. So as I was preparing this, I'll leave you guys just to your Bibles. As I was preparing this on... Last Monday, I was going to work at Starbucks, and I worked at 8, but Zoe worked at 7, and we share a car, so I have to go in at 7. So I was like, okay, great, I'll do my devotions. So I did my devotions, and I had my Bible on the table, I had my journal, I had my commentary. It was awesome. It was going well. And then some, one of our regulars comes up, she recognizes me, and she says, oh, are you studying theology? And I go, like, it's not that serious, but t- devotions, sure. <laughs> I just don't want to freak her out that I'm studying theology. Um, but... It just starts a conversation. It just starts um, bringing up what we believe is important. And so I kind of said, like I was speaking on Sunday, and she was like, oh, what's it about? And it just arose, it arose a question through our conversation. It's the most important question in the entire world. And it can set you up for your life, or it can ruin you if you get this question wrong. The question being, what is the meaning of your life? Why? Are you alive? And this is the most important question in the world. And this lady, she believed that it could be found in going deeper within yourself. It can be found by finding out who you truly are by going deeper within. And I was like, okay, I was like, okay, cool, that's cool. Um, and then they start, it got me thinking about other, other things that people believe is the meaning of life. So trying to find your true self, or maybe it's in Kelowna, it's about finding pleasure. It's about making the most out of life. It's about having the nice things. It's about getting the most money. And I'm not there yet. I have a 2001 Corolla. I don't know what that feels like to (laughs) to have to work for the next thing. But that's a very popular, it's a very popular way to live in Kelowna. Um, And it's great. And I wish I had a nicer car but that's okay. Um, but it's, it's awesome to have these, these blessings. But it's not the reason you're alive. It's not the reason you're alive. Christianity preaches that you cannot find your meaning on anything on earth. In the car, in the boat, in the house, you take those things away, what are you left with? What are you left with? Is there more that your soul is searching for? Is there more that you're trying to find? Is there more to your life than what you have, than what you can hold, than what you can buy? Is there more? And I truly believe that there is. There has to be more. And so Christianity preaches that the more is found in Jesus Christ. And many of us this morning know this to be true, but I invite you, if you don't, just to lean in with me for a second. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, it should come up on the screen. You like that title slide? I made that, by the way. Um, Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yes, so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning and the end. He has put eternity into man's heart, eternity into our hearts. And our whole lives are trying to find what fills 
this eternity in our hearts, what fills them more. He has designed us. He has made us. He has put eternity in his time. He has made everything beautiful. He has made us. He's designed us. And we have been designed for a specific purpose. And we know this to be true, that something designed for a specific purpose has to be used for that purpose in order to be fully satisfied, in order to be fulfilled. I thought of this illustration, it's silly, but bear with me. A car has been made to be a car. A car has been made to drive. It's been made to take you from one place to the next on roads. It has usually four wheels. It has an engine. It's made to be a car. It cannot be a plane. It cannot be a train. It cannot be anything else than what it was designed to be. It cannot find, it cannot be fulfilled or satisfied in anything else other than being a car. And I believe it's the same with humanity. We have been made by God. He has made everything. We've been made by Him for Him. And just like the car cannot, be, cannot find its satisfaction in being anything else, we cannot find our satisfaction in anything on the world because we were made for heaven. We were made by God for God. I believe this to be true. And these things, these boats, these houses, these cars, these things that I want to have one day, these are all good things. And these are blessings that the Lord gives so that we can enjoy Him more. These are all good things. But they are unreliable to build your life around. They are unreliable because, as Jesus says in Matthew six nineteen to 20, I think this should come up too, He has... Or he says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. Let's say that again. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. The car, the boat, the house, whatever it is, it can be destroyed. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, in God, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. One thing lasts forever and one thing satisfies forever and it's not anything you can find on earth. It's found in Jesus because He lasts forever. Like we saying before, He never changes. He is the rock that does not move. He lasts forever. He is the reason you're alive. He is the more that your soul is searching for in all the things. And in going deeper within yourself, you can't find yourself, you can't find your meeting because yourself is broken. Because you are broken. I'll explain that in a minute. But I just want to, I want to just lean into this. Do we know Jesus? Do we know our soul's resting place? Do we know the one who satisfies for eternity? Not just satisfies for life like these good things do, but satisfies for eternity. Do we know the more that we have been created for. So that's the question I'm trying to answer today. Do you know the more that you have been created for? Do you know the way to find your satisfaction, the way to find your meaning in life? All right, let's, let's read the, the scripture I'd, I asked you guys to open to. So John 6, 1 to 15. One sec, let me find it here. Alright, here we go. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Remember that verse. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. 
Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, one of his disciples, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. That's just the men sitting down in five thousand in number. That doesn't account for women and children. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Nice. That's awesome. (laughs) One thing, the first question I want to ask you guys is, why were the people following Jesus? Who were the people following Jesus? And we get the answer in verse 2. Verse 2 saying, And the large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. He was doing some cool stuff, and they wanted to see it happening. They wanted to be a part of it even. And so then Jesus, giving them what they wanted and feeding them with five barley loaves and two fish, and he satisfies them. He feeds them, and then they respond in verse 14 and 15. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. He is the prophet. Perceiving then they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew. In other words, these people are saying, He's doing stuff we haven't seen before. He's doing stuff we have not witnessed before. He has power that we haven't ever seen or experienced. He can provide us with everything we need. He can free us from the Roman oppression that we're under. He can give us food without having to work for it. He can give us what we need, what we think we need. That was their heart towards Jesus. And this shows that they just saw Jesus as somebody who was useful in their pursuits of what they thought would satisfy their more, which they thought would be on earth. Instead of Jesus as the Savior, Jesus as the one who satisfies, Jesus as the one who made them for him, they, wanted, they looked past him and wanted to use him to get the stuff past him. They were searching for more and were looking to the things of the earth to satisfy that longing. I'm not going to focus on this question too much, but it's something to think about. Do we ever use Jesus, or the church even, as a way to uh, help us in our pursuits of something that we think is better, something that we think is more worthwhile? Do we ever do that? Something to think about. I'm not going to go back on that, but if it, if, it, if you kind of keep, if you keep thinking about it throughout the week, maybe it's something to really wrestle with and try to lean into. These people were searching for more and gaining, world, and gaining worldly possessions and power. They were living with the wrong focus. And this makes an eternal impact. And I know what the, having the wrong focus looks like. And I thought of a, a story to illustrate this. 
Man, this is a good, I like this one. So I was in, it was in grade nine, I think it was, and me and my dad, when we were both athletic, we went to Silver Star. <laughs> we went to Silver Star, and we were snowboarding. And what I had to do, uh, what I had to do because of his abilities, I had to stay behind him while he was making his wide turns down the, down the, sorry, I had to, I had to. Um, he was making his wide turns, so I had to stay behind him and just kind of keep, keep watch. I had to do my sharp turns and avoid him if he's, if he's coming down. I needed to have him in my sights. That was the right focus for, for that event. Um, sorry. Um, I'm not going to preach again. I'm really, yeah. um, and so, but one time, I got off the chairlift. And I think it was like our last run of the day. And I go first. And I'm thinking, I'm not thinking about anything but, like, wind in my face. Like, I didn't have long hair or anything, so. Um, just, like, wind hitting my buzz cut. And I was going through. And then <laughs> my dad is behind me taking his wide turns. And we just collide at one point, And we start rolling. And I smack him in the back of the neck with my snowboard. And it was one of those snowboards that had, like, a sharper edge on it, too. So, like, it could have been really bad. But, like, it's not funny. It's, um, but so we were just rolling down the hill, and we were tumbling, and we were both bruised, and we both laid down on the ground. And I'm like, Dad, do you need help? He's like, yes, please, yes. And then I didn't get help. He was fine. Um, but it was, I had the wrong focus, and so it, lit, it led to rolling down the hill. It led to not being able to get my feet on the ground. It led to hurt, to me, to dad. It led to pain and damage. As soon as I had the wrong focus, it caused damage. And having the wrong focus in life, I believe, causes damage. Just like I said before, Jesus said before, the things of the earth are unreliable. They destroy, they rust, they get stoned. They are unreliable to build your life around. So when somebody hurts you or when you lose your job, or I know some people in the South are feeling right now, when your health goes downhill, if you are basing your hope on the things of earth to, to save you or to satisfy you, you will feel broken and you will feel tired and you will feel lost. Like you can't get back on your feet. Like you're just rolling down a hill that's not going to stop. Like you've been hit in the back of the head by a sharp snowboard. That's how it feels. Because you're never done trying to search for the next thing. You get the one car, that guy's a nicer car, so I want a nicer car. You're always striving. And it's just like going within yourself. That's a popular way to live. You can't find yourself. You can't find your meaning within yourself because you are not what you need. You are not what you need and you will never be fulfilled by looking within what is already broken. These things leave you tired. And these things leave you tired, just like I said before, because they are not the reason you are alive. It's just like the car. You are a car. I'm not saying you, but if we live with the wrong focus, you are a car trying to be a plane or a train or a boat instead of trying to be a car. As children of God, we, if we have our lives living with the wrong focus, with the wrong meaning. We are trying to find anything else to satisfy our, 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 our meaning, our satisfaction, the eternity that's been placed in our hearts, instead of looking to the one that made us. And we see this, this searching for, 
this searching for meaning in anything else leading to destruction in our culture. And I've been really, I don't know if the stats have been more this year, but I've been really surprised and shocked at how many celebrities have committed suicide this year. How many celebrities have died. And we look at these people and we go, wow, they have everything. They have, they're traveling the world, they're meeting the other famous people, they have the money, they have the things. Why would they do this? And one um, that I was really shocked about is Anthony Bourdain, and he's a chef. And I haven't watched any of his stuff, but if I was going to name like a couple chefs, I would only know him and Gordon Ramsay. Like, he was big. And he was well-respected. And when he passed, many people said he was like a friend to me. People who only met him a couple days, he was like a friend to me. They had everything, but they were searching for more. I have a quote from Bourdain's mom. It says, Anthony had been in a dark mood these past couple days, but she had no idea why he might have decided to kill himself. He had everything, she said. Success beyond his wildest dreams, money beyond his wildest dreams. The article also mentions his past addictions to heroin and cocaine, I believe. And one of his friends said that he had never been happier. He told me that he had never been happier. He felt like he had finally found his true soulmate in his new girlfriend. But they're not here anymore because they were never satisfied. They were looking for the things of earth to satisfy what could only be found in heaven. They were looking to the things of earth to only to find what could only be satisfied in heaven. They were looking for more. They were looking for their meaning in the things that rust, in the things that pass, in the things that perish eventually. That can satisfy for 50 years. He traveled the world. He met famous people. He had dinner with Barack Obama. He did. He was big. But he wasn't satisfied and he wasn't fulfilled. They were searching for more. We are all searching for more, but we cannot find it on earth. We can only find our more being satisfied in the one who created us. So I invite you guys to jump to verse 22 in your Bible. Uh, in John 6, not just a random verse 22. John 6, 26. Um, so yeah, John 6, verse 26. There you are. And this is what Jesus says about this. This is the answer. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Jesus tells them not to live and work for what will perish, what will destroy, what will be stolen, but to live for what will last forever, what will last to eternal life. And then Jesus says to live for the food. So what is this food? And he answers this in verse 48 of John 6. I am the bread of life. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world, for the life of you and me, is my flesh. See, at the beginning of time, we separated ourselves from God through Adam and Eve. We separate ourselves from his presence, from his relationship. We are now sinful. We are now broken. We are now searching for more apart from him. Because we went, nah, Jesus, you don't, God, you don't satisfy. I'm going to eat from this tree. I don't, I don't trust you. I'm going to eat from this tree. And so now we're just 
This is just the recurring, this is what happens in our lives. Ah, God, you don't satisfy. I'm going to try to find it in that car. I'm going to try to find it in that wife, in that husband. I'm going to try to find it in my kids getting to college. I'm going to try to find it in anything else but you. And the punishment for that, it says in Romans, I believe, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Because it is such an like, incredible, in the worst way, what we did. What we said no to. The wages of sin is death. But Jesus, but Jesus came. And he said that he would take our place. He would take our death. He would take our punishment that we deserve and then rise from the grave conquering death forever, inviting us into relationship with him. And now we are finally satisfied. We can finally have a relationship with the one that we've been made for, with the one who answers our more. Jesus comes and his bread of life feeds you for eternity. Do you know this rest that Jesus provides? Do you know this eternal comfort that I'm, I'm saved. I'm going to eternity with the one who made me, the one I was made for. Do you know this? The rest that says in verse 35 of John 6, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. No more hungering for more. No more thirsting for the next achievement. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. Whoever comes to me will never thirst for anything else but me, because I am the one that you've been made for. I read this this morning in Isaiah 26, verse 3. It's not going to show up, so just listen closely. It says, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. He is the one who lasts from eternity to eternity. And he keeps you in perfect peace, perfect peace of your soul, because that's where you're supposed to be. Trusting in the one who lasts from everlasting to everlasting. Trusting in the one who created you, who designed you. Jesus promises that he is the more that you've been made for. And in him we have our rest. And there is so much more to this than I can just fit in a sermon. And the and what Jesus did and how he did it and everything is so much deeper. And I'm still learning new stuff about it. So I invite you guys to talk to my dad or just read on Desiring God or just read the Bible, try to figure it out. Um, because it's so important what Jesus did for us. I'm just going to say a quote from Greg Boyd, a writer. He says this, Many things can make us feel worthwhile and significant. But our deepest hunger is only satisfied when we're rightly related to God. Only our Creator can give us the fullness of life we crave. Only our Creator can give us the fullness of life we crave. Jesus' death on the cross is proof that we could, poss- we could not possibly have more worth and significance to God. Despite our sin, our Creator thinks we are worth experiencing a hellish death for In fact, it was for the joy of spending eternity with us, with you and me, that Jesus endured the cross. In other words, Calvary, where Jesus died on the cross, reveals our unsurpassable worth and significance. At the core of our being, this is what we long for. This relationship with the one who made us is what we long for. Is it possible that you came in this morning, and if you know Jesus... 
just praise him that he has given you and welcomed you this gift, into this gift. But is it possible that if you don't know Jesus this morning, or if he isn't your treasure, or if he isn't what you find your satisfaction in, maybe he called you this morning to tell you that he is what you should be satisfied in? Because he's the only one that will last for eternity. When everything else that you could possibly base your life around, when everything else I could possibly base my life around fails, the one thing remains, and that's Jesus. And he will satisfy forever. So maybe you're here this morning to hear that, to hear, okay, I can finally rest. I don't have to hunger for anything else. I don't need to work for anything else because there's something much more important than this. There's something much more important than this job. There's something much more important than where I live or the house that I have or my kids going to college. There's something so much more important than these unreliable good things. But if they are what you build your life around, they are unreliable because they do not last forever. And the only one that lasts forever is Jesus. So how does this work? I kind of think of it like uh, a swimmer going to the Olympics. So a swimmer, and they're for sure going to the Olympics. They went through the qualifying, whatever swimmers do. They're going to the Olympics. And so all of their life is based around getting, is based around being at the Olympics. So the Olympics dictate what they do every single day. Oh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna eat that because I'm working for the Olympics. I'm working for some something so much better. I'm not going to go out tonight because I have to train, but that's so much better because I'm going to the Olympics. And I believe that in a much bigger sense, in a much more eternal sense, this is what life is like for Christians, for those following Jesus. It's, I have something so much better down there. I'm not going to waste my time with anything that perishes now. And it doesn't mean not hanging out with friends or doing fun things. Of course not. It doesn't mean not having a car. It means... I'm going to base my life and my actions around what's, what I'm going to, around what's coming, because that lasts forever. And these things just perish. I'm not going to go to the nightclub. I'm not going to do drugs. I'm not going to waste my time on this video game for hours because there's something so much better. There's somebody so much more worth knowing than that, than using your time on that. All of our life is pointing towards that goal. If you're a Christian, all decisions revolve around it. Everything about your life is for the one who made you. And this is worth living for. This is the more that you've been created for. And those who know Jesus today, I'm sure will tell you that this is the most beautiful way to live. That this living for eternity instead of living for now living for the thing that lasts forever instead of living for the things that perish. This is the most beautiful way to live. And I'm going to convince you with some Bible verses. So John 10, 28 says, or God says that his ways give eternal life and that his followers never perish and will never be taken from him, never be taken from his hand, never be snatched out of his sight. You are in his sight and you will never be able to leave. (laughs) You'll never want to leave because he has you, because he is greater than all those things. You'll never perish. You'll have eternity with the one who made you. It says in John 8, 32, that his, God's truth will set you free from the brokenness of sin. It'll set you free from being a slave to the things that destroy you, that bring you shame. He will set you free from that. 
And John 8, 12, God says that whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Living in the light of life? Are you kidding me? Yes, please. I don't want to waste my life living in darkness. My mom and my sister watched a documentary yesterday about people who were over 100 years old in Ireland, and I had to prepare for the sermon, so I didn't get to watch it. So maybe I missed the whole point of it. But it seemed like they were all over 100 and going, everybody else is gone. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I'm still alive. I don't get excited about things anymore. My wife died 30 years ago, and since then, there's no point for me being alive. It's so sad, right? I don't want anybody to get to live to 100, let alone 20, let alone 10, without knowing that they've been made for more than this earth can provide, without knowing that they've been made for more that this earth cannot provide, that only Jesus can provide. Living in the light of life, and these people were in the darkness. These people were in the darkness not knowing that there's more, not knowing that there's actually a meaning to their being alive, not knowing that Jesus' death and life and relationship with you transforms every single part of your life. Every day is for Him. Every day is about Him. But this only comes when we listen to our souls cry for more and we actually respond going, Jesus, I believe you satisfy that. I'm going to rest in you. So I'm going to bring this to a close. I'll invite the band to to come up. And I just want to ask this question. Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to listen to your soul's cry for more? And instead of being satisfied in the things that will perish, be satisfied in the one who changes eternity for you? Eternity. Forever. Are you ready to listen and submit to his way of doing things? Because his ways are so much better. His ways are the light of life. I invite you guys just to close your eyes, bow your heads, and either pray or just think. What are we focusing on? Where are we seeking to find our more? Is it really giving us life and life to the full? Is it really giving us the eternity that has been placed in our hearts? Are we really longing for nothing else? Or are we looking to the one who satisfies us, the one who made us for himself, the one who made us for more, the one who designed you exactly as you are, who knows every part of your life, who knows everything that will happen to you? And are you, are you willing to just go, God, you've made me, you're in control, I can never leave your sight? I trust you. You are the one I've been made for. I will be satisfied in you. Are you willing to listen to your soul's cry for more and then answer that with Jesus? God, I I pray just for the people in this room, for the ones that are still searching, Father, may you, through your Holy Spirit, God, may you show them that you are more. May you show them that you satisfy. May you show them that you are the one who made them, the only one who will love them forever and ever.
May you open their eyes. And for the ones that do know you, Jesus, may you encourage them to go out and tell others about this truth, about this question. What's the meaning of my life? And then give them the answer right afterwards, God. I pray that you that you use the people in this room to, to make much of you, God. I pray for salvation right now. I pray for healing. God, I pray that you move in our hearts and that we will forever live in your sight and in your hand. We love you.